Geek Dives. Geek Dives. Release your inner geek. Speak, think, geek with Geek Dives. Hey, I'm Tim Bear. And I'm Willie Howe. And this is Geek Dives. So, so yeah, go ahead, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> first time here we go all right so uh yeah so this is a this is our inaugural podcast here um going to be talking about a bunch of tech stuff uh off the rails we're just gonna chit chat a little bit and see how things roll uh try to get this thing done every, maybe twice a month uh every couple three weeks and just see how things run and maybe maybe more often if it takes off and probably not any less often though yeah i'm i'm excited man this is uh you know, you and I, we work together, you know, often, but um, this is kind of like our first joint, like, media-type gig, right? So I'm, I'm pretty excited because I always talk about you to people, and uh, I'm like, yeah, if, you, if you've seen Tim or if you know Tim, and I, I really want people to know Tim, so I think this is going to be uh, great, you know? But, yeah, that... uh, yeah, Tim, tell us a little bit about yourself, just in case people didn't read the website yet. Sure. So uh, in case if you haven't read the website yet, it is geekdives.com. Check it out. Um, but yeah, so basically uh, I'm a 30 something uh, married guy, got three kids, um, been in IT for a dozen years or so. Um, love it. Got my first computer when I was in fourth grade and I haven't gotten away from them since. So I'm a developer. I do web development with WordPress, uh, PHP, MySQL, um, do system administration. So I've got a full-time day job. Um, managing a couple hundred users and, you know, several dozen servers and Linux and Windows Mix and just kind of, kind of all around IT guy. So, uh, yeah, I've been, like I said, been doing it for a while and love every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Tim is my uh, go-to WordPress developer. Uh, if there's kind of, it's kind of a joke in 2018 when, when people are like, I'll build you a website and they buy somebody else's template, but that's not how Tim rolls. Tim creates everything from scratch and, uh, delivers on time and works with my security standards, which sometimes would be pretty rigorous because they are driven by uh, PCI and NIST standards. So, uh, and anytime I know I go to talk to Tim about, uh, security standards. I can hear his eyes rolling, but uh, he, he uh, does build a bake in a lot of security um, from the ground up, but I, I tend to push the limits on that. But, and if, and if you don't know uh, who I am, uh, I'm Willie Howe, and you might know me from YouTube or from the H5 newsletter, which we're going to talk about that a little bit here in just a second. And uh, I've been in IT since the 90s, and I've never looked back. You know, we've been when the times were good, times were good. And, you know, we went through the bad times back in the early, uh, was that uh, like 02, 03, 04, Tim, when IT kind of crashed. And, yeah, uh, yeah I, I remember still working IT from uh, 8 to 3 and then working at a steel plant, you know, uh, in the evening. But um, if, you, if you don't know, and the, so those of you who are on the – um, H5 technology mailing list, you're going to hear this podcast first. And just a heads up, you're going to see the H5 mailing list and the website change from H5 technology over to Willie Howe technology. And um, we are uh, working with another company that actually has a trademark on the mark with an H and a five together. They were very um, nice to not just come in and, you know, try to sue us. 
and uh, work with us and, you know, make the change from H5 to Willie Howe. So, of course, when you're dealing with the state of Illinois, you never know how long things are going to take. So, Tim is uh, working in the background doing a bunch of media rebranding and getting ready for the launch when I tell him that, um, you know, we are officially uh, Willie Howe LLC, you know, we've got to switch bank accounts and do all that good stuff. But uh, I appreciate all the work you've done on that, Tim. Yeah, not a problem, not a problem. Happy to help out wherever I can. And uh, yeah, it's never, it's never a fun thing when you got to, when you're kind of forced to do any of these changes, but you know, it's kind of got to roll with the punches and do what we got to do. So yeah, not a problem. Yeah. You know, and you know, there's, there's plenty of work and the IT is so big. There's plenty of stuff for all kinds of people out there. So, um, and you know, we, we've applied for trademarks now for our, our logos and I don't blame the company for, you know, for contacting me. And I thank them for contacting me because I would never uh, purposefully infringe on anybody's copyright or trademark. So, you know, we'll get, we'll get this, you know, this'll, this too shall pass and we'll do all the right things and, and uh, we'll keep moving forward. And do some extra searches next time. <laughs> right. Right. So, <laughs> so I think that that's one of the podcasts, Tim, that, that you and I should do. Maybe the next one is lessons that we've learned as, um, as not only having, you know, tech jobs full time or careers, but then, you know, we kind of live it, you know, we live it, you know, we do it during our quote unquote day job, which is never just a day job. It's a career. So you're living it, right. but then we, then we're consulting on the side. So we're entrepreneurs on the side, but I will tell you that um, even in my, you know, when I was getting my degree, I had to take just a couple business classes and those business classes never prepare you just like everything else in college usually doesn't prepare you for the real world. Right. Yeah. The downside of uh, doing a whole podcast on that is we're trying to keep this to about a half an hour. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I mean, it may go, it may go a little longer than that. You two, never two know. Two or three but... sessions. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some of the topics, man, that we, we, you know, Tim and I have had, it's been a comedy of errors trying to get the first episode out and we finally got it today. And then we were going to film about two hours ago and Tim pings me and says, I'm without power. And I was like, are you serious? You know, and, and, uh, if it's not one thing, it's three. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's no surprise the power's out. If you're getting the wind over in your area that we're, we're getting oh, here. It's been brutal. I, I mowed, uh, right after lunch and, uh, yeah, I got a push mower. So I was going against the wind for half of the mowing and I got my workout up. Let me tell you, it's. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. So uh, we were going to talk about, you know, back when we were going to do the first episode, we had some good stuff like Elon Musk smoking pot and uh, drinking whiskey. And we had some stuff that was kind of, you know, in the Topical. tech world. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's kind of past now. So we've got just a, a few things uh, to talk about. And Tim's got the list up here. I've got it. And I'm, I'm hoping he's going to add a, maybe a couple things, but uh, you know, just a couple things we're going to talk about today, or um, if you haven't seen drones, they can take down other drones, kind of talk about that. A uh, little bit of AI talk, which I think will probably surface in almost every podcast. Uh, Amazon government subsidies, uh, who the biggest U S employers are and what kind of technology they're using. And uh, then a little bit of anecdotal uh, hindsight's always 2020 stuff with uh, equipment dying. But Tim, you know, we're talking about uh, drones and I've got a drone. And I, Do you have a drone? I don't. It's been on my list of things to pick up one of these days and uh, just never, never 
haven't gotten it yet. So, yeah, you know, well, my brother-in-law had one. He brought it over and played with it for a little while and, you know, I had a lot of fun with it. But, yeah, one of these days, uh, it's on my list. I just, you know, I, I don't want to get one of the cheap ones because I want it to last. Yep. But then it's the, uh, now i got to come up with money for another toy. So, <laughs> and again, being married with three kids, it's yep. uh, dad's toys usually take the back burner. So, yep. well, yeah, if you're going to one of these days. If you're going to use it, I, I do have a guy that's going to be getting a hold of you, by the way, uh, uh, for bandwidth for Lakehead, so we can talk about uh, doing our WISP over there. And, um, you know, if that comes to fruition, that drone, it, it could be a tax write-off. So, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, but um, if you haven't seen it, there's a video on Facebook going around, and I haven't seen it on YouTube yet, but it's of this drone, and it looks like a DJI Phantom. And what it's doing is it locks on to other drones and it can, it can do this autonomously and it shoots a net at these drones that are flying in places that they're not supposed to. And it basically, I mean, it captures these things and the net obviously gets caught in the props and these things just go down. Have you seen this? I have. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting for sure. So I kind of, I've been thinking about this and about like how I would, handle something like that. And as a programmer, Tim, you can, you could really chime in on this, but you know, all the drones or most of the drones work on, you know, 2.4 or 5 gigahertz frequencies, right? Public band. Mm -hmm. And every manufacturer of gear has to have, uh, you know, they have uh, Mac addresses. That first part of the Mac address is registered to them. And if that thing's got Wi-Fi, it's obviously broadcasting, right? And so mm -hmm. what I'm wondering is do they, is the drone, the drone that's attacking, is this thing looking for uh, BSS IDs, you know, beacons in the air? And does it have like a database and uh, with MAC addresses? And, and then it knows what's in front of it is, is a, a drone or a UAV and, and then decides to take it down. And it would also know how close it is based on how strong that broadcast signal is, right? Right, yeah. Um, you know, on top of that, it also know which direction it's flying. Is it coming towards me or away from me? You know, it's triangulation and all the other fun stuff. It's, uh, I'm sure it's not just one, one drone looking at it. They've got to have antennas all over the place trying to track these things down before they even get into their airspace. Yeah, so. I, I don't know. But in, in, the, in the video, did you see how the video that they showed from the takedown drone had like a white box around the drone it was going to take down? Mm -hmm. So is that based on that triangulation or are they using multiple um, technologies to do this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, are I'm they sure also using? Yeah. I'd assume it's going to be something similar to like when your camera sees your face detection. So, you know, as you're pointing your cell phone at somebody and taking a picture, it puts the box around the face. It probably just got some different uh, algorithms to, Hey, what is this thing? Oh man. And that's, you know, facial recognition. I don't know if you have seen the uh, articles but uh, Amazon shareholders are writing, um, you know, letters saying that they want Amazon to stop their facial recognition program. And Miami-Dade uh, Police Department, they're the biggest user. But apparently Amazon has a big, badass database uh, and AI for facial recognition. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, – I've I, I looked into that a little bit as well, and – I, I don't know that I blame them. Um, that's one of those really sticky situations. You know, what, what do you want your employer to be able to track? And there's, there's a whole lot, whole lot in there. Well, and we know that the Amazon store 
that you go into the autonomous store, it uses imaging, mm-hmm. right? So it, I mean, Amazon's obviously got this figured out and I'm sure they've got it, you know, locked down. But the, the question becomes like, how far as, as citizens, like how much of this do we, you know, do we put up with? And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a downright scary thought, you know, so I, I thought about this too. And I called a uh, wise cam out on Twitter about this, you know, wise cam sells a $19 security camera. You can record to an SD card, but uh, you also record to the cloud. And somebody told me that their storage was in Russia. And I was like, no, it, it can't be, can't be Russia. So I pinged them on Twitter. Right. And I said, Hey, uh, where, where's this video stored? And they came back and they said it's stored on AWS. And Tim, you know as much as I do how expensive it is to store data on Amazon. Right. I mean, oh yeah, it's it's not cheap. You know the 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 it's it's not well it's not too bad if you're just storing it and you never touch it. But as soon as you try to retrieve it, that's when it gets expensive. Well, but video yeah, video is a two way process. You store it and then to view it back, you got to retrieve it. Right. So. How does a company that sells a $19 camera afford all of the Amazon storage? So I asked them, do you allow Amazon to analyze that footage? And they deny it. But how many $19 cameras would a company have to sell to be able to afford their Amazon bill? (laughs) And and afford to continue to manufacture $19 cameras. Right. Yeah, that's... uh... It turns out they're not manufacturing the cameras. There's a a company in China that actually manufactures the exact same camera. So what it looks like they're doing is they're buying these cameras in bulk and they're loading their own firmware. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So, and there's also, uh, there's some third party firmware out there for those cameras for the wise cam that uh, you can load and it will allow you to capture an RTSP stream. So if you've got an NVR software, like uh, Blue Iris, you can go ahead and integrate the Wise Cam into your your uh, security camera software. Interesting. Yeah. So, and you know, Amazon and Google and drones and all of this AI and stuff like this. It's it's scary. Have you seen the um, the videos of the Boston Dynamics, all these robots they've got, you know, the one that can now, you know, jump upstairs. Yeah. yeah, Backflips. There's a, there's a video out there now of a robot that uh, can hang drywall. Yep. I saw that one. And we've got all of these, all these different companies. They're all um, working on these projects independently in Disney. Did you see the robot that Disney built that can do flips and stunts? Mm-hmm. And it looks like yeah, a human being, you yeah, know, and it's, it's we're, yeah, we're heading to this place. And then, you know, the Google, uh, the Google assistant phone call video, you know, where it was talking to a human on the other end of the line. I honestly don't think that that was staged. I think that Google got such blowback from the public because it was so real. And the person didn't know they were talking to AI that they had to backpedal on their story. I, mean, I didn't hear the backpedal. I didn't hear that they came back and said, oh, no, it was, it was staged. Did they, did they say that? No, they didn't say it, but they modified, uh, they did modify the story or people were calling them out and saying that it was staged. And I, and, and so the story kind of got a little, a little muddy, but I absolutely believe that that if, 
Google was to have their assistant call you or whatever that piece of software is called that you'd never know that it was, that it was Google. Well, um, and, well, I, and you know, with the, even the Chinese restaurant one, you know, they, they called to make a reservation at a Chinese restaurant and you know, the, the person did not realize, you know, and if they did, they played it off really, really well. So I, yeah, there's, there's no way that was staged. That was, that was 100% legit. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that I care that a, that a computer calls me. Right. Oh, I don't care. Um, yeah. I mean, it's one less thing I got to worry about if I'm, if I'm using it on my end. Right. And I'd rather have a computer call me than these. Um, have you had these new scammers call you yet that they looks like it's calling from a cell phone number in your area code? Yep. Area and, code, same prefix. Yep. And they tell you, you know, press one for your credit card information. Well, I'll tell you, they have your name somehow. I don't know how they have it, but never give your credit card information to somebody oh. like that. But I mean, we try to troll them every time we get one on the line. Um, and I had one the other day cuss at me and tell me to take my mother effing card, roll it up and stick it up my mother, my mother effing butt. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I said, what? And he said it again. And I said, that'd hurt. And then he hung up, you know, and, uh, but, but I'd rather have a computer call me, you know, than that. But I mean, so think about this, right? So technology, Tim, you and I both know how big technology is, you know, all of these different robot creators are all over the world. What would happen if just a dozen of these companies that have these amazing robots got together, shared their technology, and then had Google or IBM or Facebook apply their AI to these things? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's, I mean, uh, that's, it, it's a crazy thought. You know, that's, that's, that's you know, the next billion dollar idea right there. You know, not even mil. That's, I, I think. I think honestly, I think Apple or Google or, uh, you know, one of these other places would probably buy them out before they applied their own AI to somebody else's device. They'd say, "Oh no, I want your robot," and they would take it and run with it from there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't take much for a couple of these places. Um, you know, Disney. You know, you know, they've got the money to put into these things. It's, uh, yeah, that that there's there's a lot a lot to be had with that. Well, and you know that whenever Disney does something now, I don't always agree with their management philosophy, especially with the outsourcing of IT. Right. But when they do something to the public, they do it to the nines. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it just, I mean, it's call me a, I don't know, maybe my tinfoil hat's too tight, right? But but if if these places... uh, put that AI on there. And, and then, you know, I think I shared an article with you about MIT about how they created uh, using standard 2.4 and five gigahertz frequencies. They can see through walls and see what's on the other side of the wall. And if it's a human being, yep. you know, so, and, and, and they can determine between human beings. So it's not even, is it a human being? It's they use their database. That they're building with what they've found from other, or from all these different people. And they can tell you which one it is, you know, based on the movements and the, the height and you know how they're how they're walking and everything else is just it, it compiles all this information and now you can see who's coming not just that somebody's coming and it's crazy i mean i can see that it could be used for good but i can also see where some of these people who are much smarter than me um where they say that we need to get regulations on ai and robots now i i, I gotta kind of agree with that because i mean 
if you think about it, if you watch those videos, don't you think it looks like we're building soldiers? You know, it, it absolutely could be you know, weaponized. Um, there, there's, there's no reason why it couldn't, except that, you know, you got to, you got to kind of trust that these people are doing what they're doing responsibly, but who are we to trust that? You know, we don't know what they're doing behind those closed doors. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it, I, I don't see any reason why they could not be. Well, and working in technology, and maybe it makes our circle of trust smaller, but I, I don't know about you, but my circle of trust is, is pretty small. Oh, yeah. I, I can count on about both hands the number of people that I trust <laughs> <laughs> well enough to, yeah, do what you want to do. I trust, right. you know, yeah, it, it, you got to earn that. <laughs> yeah. And, the, you know, the thing is, unfortunately, and, and our system is never going to change, right? Our system has been like this. Money drives our system and power drives our system. It, we're human beings, right? And, um, and I like to do good in the world, but there are, uh, and other people do too, but there are people that are wholly driven by money and power. And if you could, if you could get your hands on a technology like this and, and just continue amassing power and money, I mean, and there are people that totally get off on that. Oh man. Yeah. yeah you know, but, I've, I've, I've often said, you know, if I didn't have a conscience, I could be really rich. You know, there's oh, yeah. a lot of people that are making a lot of money doing some really shady things. <laughs> You're right about that. And some of them were even publicly traded. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's and, not even behind closed doors. It's, oh, yeah, here's what we're doing. Pay me yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about all of the, you know, Survey Monkey. Here, here's a good, you know, um, you know, you and I, I told you that I, I was thinking about snapping up some Survey Monkey uh, stock. And then I decided not to after reading about how um, debt laden they were. But, when we think about data collection, you've worked on, how many surveys have you worked on, Tim, in your career? No, uh, I can't count on two hands. So, yeah. so I mean, <laughs> probably hundreds of surveys at this point, oh, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, and easily. Think about the questions that you ask people on a survey that they voluntarily give the answers to, right? So <clears throat> Amazon may have, you know, your credit card number and your purchase history, but a company like SurveyMonkey is going to have a completely different kind of information about you. Right. So that that's where I can see survey monkey being worth money. Um, and I could see them monetizing the data that they store. Um, I mean, it, there's, it's, there's no secret that there, you know, there are three letter agencies that have, you know, private arms that invest in these kinds of companies so that they can mine the data. Right. But I mean, survey monkey, I mean, they, they collect a whole different kind of information. So, but I mean, you know, that's, that's a really interesting point. And, you know, after we're done here this evening, I'm probably going to be uh, checking out their terms of service and terms of use and figure out what they store and who they give access to. And, you know, is it encrypted and reversible encryption or, you know, how, how is all of this? And see, that's, that's a that's a really interesting point that I'd never thought about, you know, because typically whenever I'm doing these surveys for people, you know, I'm building them uh, on their websites. Uh, I know the information is being stored on their servers and their databases. You know, I don't do a whole lot with SurveyMonkey. If they want to go that route, then, you know, SurveyMonkey makes it pretty easy to, to handle those yourself. So, you know, they don't typically need to, to pay somebody, you know, you know, I'm not cheap. I'm not the most expensive guy in the world, but I'm not cheap to go right. out and build a 20 question survey for somebody. So, you know, I, I know where that stuff's being stored. And 
you know, even with the ones that I've stored or that I've built for people that I know where it's being stored, I, I question them sometimes. Like, do you want to ask that question? Like, it, 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 I, I'm on the opposite side of the table as they are typically with the, well, yeah, ask them this and ask them this and get this answer and make this one uh, mandatory so they can't go on if they don't answer this question. You know, I can't even think of an example right now. Uh, well, think, <laughs> think about some of the applications that I've had you build. And uh, where, where if we collect sensitive data, what's the first thing I tell you to do? Yeah, encrypt it and don't store it. You know, That's right. <laughs> put it in the PDF, yeah. put a password on the PDF, email it and drop it. Yeah. Right to the database. So yeah, you know, that's, that's obviously number one. If they're, if they're uh, storing sensitive information, you know, credit card information, uh, you know, social security number, driver's license number, any of that information, none of that ever gets stored uh, yeah. 100%. But and companies really like personal, you know, you know, how many kids do you have? And, um, you know, what are the ages and where do they go to school? And what time do you pick them up? You know, it's not quite, quite that drastic typically, but you know, it's, it's that type of information that I wouldn't be answering that question. If I saw that survey, I'd be like, yeah, next. Yeah. I mean, you're asking about soft spots, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you know, Tim, you're typically a pretty nice guy, but if somebody jacked with your kids, you know, that's going to be, uh, you're going to see a different side of me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, um, but no, that's, and, and, you know, people should not be storing credit card information. You know, we've come, come along far enough, but you know, people are doing it. I mean, oh, look yeah. at, look at Sony, they shame on Sony and, but they were smart when they, when they um, handled their data breaches, they were smart because they broke it up into different companies, right? The different companies that they own. But if you look at all the data that was stolen off the Sony servers, they would have the largest data breach, I believe. I'd have to go back and check the numbers at this point, but I believe at the time when that happened, it would have been the world's largest, you know, single company data breach. But, you know, you had these different companies within inside Sony, but who the hell stores this information on a public serving, a public facing web server in an unencrypted text file? Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, I, mean, and, I, I, I don't work for a company that large. You're not going to get into my stuff like that. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I, they've got to have people smarter than me working for them. Apparently I somebody mean, did something either. It, it, I don't know if it was a lapse of judgment or a lapse of uh, knowledge. You know, if somebody did something that they weren't supposed to behind the scenes and it never got, it went through the proper channels to say, yeah, this is good or no, this is bad. Uh, you know, I've seen, I've seen things where, you know, we've had interns or, you know, temporary IT help come in and try to try to do some things. And I find it after the fact, like, yeah, no, you can't do that. So, you right. know, I'm not going to say that it was all done maliciously or with, with ill intent, obviously, you know, Sony's never going to wish that that kind of breach is ever going to happen, obviously, but you got to have some practices and some stuff in, in line to make sure stuff like that does not happen. There, there's, there's no excuse, especially for a company the size of Sony. <laughs> I mean, well, and, and here's the thing. Here's here's where we're at in 2018. You know, uh, you know, it's not that you and I we we don't hate the cloud. We're just very picky about what we put in the cloud. Exactly. And that old saying that the, there is no cloud, just someone else's computer. Like, I wish people would really understand that it is really just somebody else's computer. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these companies think, all right, this is awesome. We signed up for this cloud service. Well, first of all, they don't realize the actual cost of it. Um, there's a, you know, a, a company locally that thought that they could move, move a bunch of their stuff over to the Microsoft cloud and that they would be able to lay off it people and all this. And 
they, you know, and this is part of having somebody in a CIO role that doesn't understand technology, um, you know, but, you know, what they did was they increased their costs a half a million dollars a year for licensing, and they've still got to keep all the IT people because just because you take a server and you stick it on a quote unquote cloud server doesn't mean that now you don't need IT people. Right. You just need an IT person that can get into that cloud server instead of their local server. Right. And, and more than likely, it's going to be the same person. Just like when you host your email somewhere, you still have to have somebody that knows all the ins and outs of creating mailboxes, managing mailboxes, because these companies are not managing, actively managing your server for you in a lot of cases, you know, and so you yeah, still have to have it. Yeah. And you still have to have a way to back it up. You know, yep. it's 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 the same thing. You're literally just moving it to someone else's architecture, someone else's data center. Um and so, you know, my argument always is, is if you have to have the data center already and you already have the staff that can manage that, I would rather have your staff manage it because then we're in control of who sees the data, who searches the data, who can take the data, um, how the data gets backed up, you know, where it sits. There's just so many things, you know, cloud, cloud companies could be here one day and gone the next. And guess what? Your data goes with it. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, Obviously, Amazon's not going anywhere, and Azure's probably not going anywhere. Uh, you know, Microsoft keeps pushing more and more things to Azure in their cloud service. But, uh, you know, th- some of these onesie, twosie, mom and pop shops that are, oh, yeah, we can do that for you, and it'll only cost you 15 bucks a month or, you know, whatever it happens to be. They're not going to be able to sustain that for, you know, any prolonged period or that price is going to get jacked up in six months to a year or, or, or you know, there's a million different things that could happen with that. Yep. If if you've got the infrastructure and you've got the you've already got the hardware in place, yeah, it, it doesn't make sense in my opinion. You know, there are some things that make sense to host out in, on the cloud. Uh, you know, a website, yeah, host a website outside of your internal network if you want to. I'm not going to sit here and say no. That's public facing anyway. But if it's your database and it's your bread and butter, and you know this is this is how you make your livelihood with all this information that's in this database. That should not be in the cloud, in my my opinion. You know, no, that, that's something that should be in your house, in your control, and backed up in multiple places. Yeah, back it up outside. Sure, absolutely. Once uh, it's encrypted. It, yeah, encrypted. exactly. Yeah, encrypt it, send it off, and make sure you can get it back down if you need to. You know, and, you know, by the way, speaking of backups, if you don't test your backups, you don't have a backup. That's um, true. Absolutely <laughs> true. Yeah, that's one of those, you know, uh, Oh, I, I have this tape from three years ago. I don't know if it works. Well, then it doesn't work. You know, if you've never tested your backup, assume it does not work. Uh, I mean, anyways. Yeah. And I can't, you know, I can't believe there are people still using tape, but it still does exist in the wild. Oh yeah. We've, we, uh, we actually have some data that we have not migrated off of tape. It's, it's old. It's probably 10 years old. Uh, it's not something that we can or could not live without, uh, but everything that's being backed up now is obviously all to, to hard disk and, you know, multiple locations at the same time and then pushed off to another location every night. So, um, but no, I mean, we still have a couple, you know, it's a large tape drive and, you know, a couple, couple bookshelves full of tapes with jobs that we're still retrieving and stuff like that. But, um, it, it's on its way out. I, I think I got them talked into January one, shutting it down and calling it good. Uh, right. It's, it's still being pulled back onto a Windows Server 2003 box that's not Ooh. plugged into the network. Um, <laughs> I, I told them, you know, when, when 2003 uh, hit end of life and there was no more patches for it, I unplugged the back of the 
uh, the, the network from the back of the server. I plugged in just a blank uh, Cat5 drive or Cat5 plug so nobody could plug something else into it on accident, thinking, oh, why is this just dangling here? And I put thumb drives next to it and said, if you need data, pull it off. Here's your thumb drive. Plug it into your computer. It's, it's not hitting the network anymore. I got a little pushback until I showed them you know, its end of life. And then they said, okay. And that was yep. the end of it. But yeah, yep. I do not have, you know, once something's end of life, it should not, you know, if you have to have it for legacy, I can understand that. There's only so much I can do to say, no, you can't use that anymore. Uh, I can give you my strong opinion on that. But uh, it really should not be on the network at the very least. Public facing or not, it should not be on the network. Yeah. yeah all, it and... takes is, uh, uh, all it takes is another desktop to be compromised on that network that go out, goes out and looks for the, the old OS and yep. known, known issues with it to jump in and pull that information off. It does, yep. it doesn't, that machine does not have to be on the internet even. If it's well, accessible from another machine on the network, consider it potentially compromised. You know, and I think air gapping uh, for old systems like that, I think it's a great, a great option, you know, and if you've got to have it now, you know, I do know that there are some production places that get by with their security scans because those boxes aren't public facing. But I also know that there are plans in place to migrate those out. You know, so right. as, long, as long as you've got a plan, but yeah, totally. Once, once things are into life, we should be looking at getting them out. But you know, what kills me about that is that uh, we pulled out a bunch of Cisco, like 1141 access points and uh, um, got authorization to eBay them. Right. And I thought, eh, we might get five bucks. Right. But there are enough people. I mean, it is huge. I mean, there's six, what, 6 billion people in the world, you know, and, right. and it's like, so we literally, people were buying, Tim, these access points that were end of life and you couldn't buy them new anymore. People were buying on eBay these 1140 series, I think they were 1141s, 1142s, something like that. They, they were paying like 150 bucks for these things used. You can buy a brand new Ubiquity or you know, a dozen of other vendor access points that aren't into life that are secure for the same or cheaper. There's no reason other than, Oh, I've got this infrastructure. It's easy for me to plug this one in or this one died. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I mean, think about it. Like once you're not getting security updates anymore, right. you know, that, that, that changes things. And oh, absolutely. And here's the thing about like Cisco, Cisco needs to, I, they've got to refocus, but Ubiquity also is going to have to refocus because I've said for years that Ubiquity is only going to be able to run as long as they can. They're going to have to change their business model for long-term profits. And, um, but like, you know, Cisco, they came out, there was a, a severity 10 vulnerability about four years ago, maybe three years, four years ago, I think somewhere in that time period. And, uh, because of my skill set, we never bought SmartNet. You know, we always just kept an extra on the shelf. And um, <laughs> it's so funny because that Severity 10 was released and the 5510s, and I can't remember what else was at the front, maybe a 5525 or 5515, something like that. A couple of the bigger, you know, full-size ASAs at the front. But just the SmartNet to get the operating system upgrade on that one device was more expensive than ripping out 26 
ASAs and replacing them with Ubiquity Edge routers, which I will get free software updates for for the life of the product. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that, that was three years ago already, three or four years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Your time flies yeah. when you're having fun, I guess. Yeah, when but... you, if you look if you look at my Instagram, you remember I, I posted a picture and there was a stack of ASA 5505s and there's a little edge router X sitting in front of it. And I said, I call this David versus Goliath. Right. So, yeah, that was three years ago. Maybe it going on four now, isn't it? I don't know. But, yeah, it's it's been a while ago. But, you know, and speaking of, you know, we talked about Amazon. You know, all of these... Um, all these municipalities were in, in such a horse race, you know, to get Amazon to get their new HQ, man. And, I, you know, I don't know how I feel about municipalities offering subsidies to a company like Amazon. You know what I mean? I like, I think I'd rather see like tax breaks for um, like one man startups, you know, than like, and I love Amazon. Don't get me wrong, As man. A I'm one a man startup. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm a <laughs> I'm a Prime member, dude. I love Amazon Prime. I love Prime. Right. And, oh, yeah. me too. and I like everything that Amazon does. I mean, for crying out loud, I ordered a, a Ballard from Amazon. A you know a seventy five pound steel Ballard, and it was missing the top cap. So I called their customer support. This lady, she said, "Sir, I'm sorry. Let me try to get a hold of the company. We'll see if we can get you an end cap." She puts me on hold. She comes back. She says, Mr. Howe, this company is going through an acquisition. They can't do that. We're going to send you a prepaid label to send back this Ballard. I said, wait a minute. You're telling me you're going to pay to ship back a 75-pound steel Ballard? She said, yes. And she said, then we're going to replace it. And they did at no charge. And the new Ballard showed up in a box full of bubble wrap, and it did have the cap for the top. But, I mean, people could learn a few things from Amazon support. You know? Oh yeah, I've I've had similar you know not for, with a seventy five pound Ballard by any stretch, but you know I've had the same type of experience with them. Hey, uh, this came in; it's got a little nick on it. Oh, here's the label. Send it back. We'll send it back to you. You know, and I you know I'm, I buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. A lot of stuff from Amazon. So I'm, you know, I'm not going to say that everybody's going to have the same experience. Except I've never heard somebody say that they haven't had the same experience. But you know, I don't I don't doubt that they look at the purchase history and think oh this guy spends thousands of dollars you know, you know I, I buy a lot of stuff for work on my amazon prime account so right. you know i probably spend you know close to 15 or twenty thousand dollars a year on amazon so you know what's a hundred dollar item that's got a nick to them for that nothing you know right. i've also had things where they've said you know what you know we don't even want you to send that back to us we'll send you out a replacement so you know i've had similar types of things with that and um, yeah, so, their customer service is outstanding. So we spend a lot, you know, with them too, and not just, uh, you know, in it, but, um, we buy a lot of stuff through Amazon and I've only ever had one issue. Um, and that was, we sent back a, an Asus tablet and they said they never got it, but I don't think it was them. I think somebody at UPS honestly stole it. Because, you know, I know the person that said dropped it off at UPS would not lie. This is one of these people that is in my trust. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I know, you know, the, the receipt got sent where it was, you know, supposed to get sent. And um, so, you know, we had to take it on the, on the chin for that one. You know, it was uh, less than 200 bucks, but still. Um, 
But something else with Amazon is uh, one time we ordered a, a Raspberry Pi kit and it was uh, the uh, Raspberry Pi was bad. And not only did Amazon replace the Raspberry Pi, pay for the shipping back, but they credited our account actual dollars. And I just can't figure out how a company can stay profitable if they're doing this widespread. Now, it was reported that Amazon was only profitable because of AWS, you know, so that I, I don't, I, I can't speak to because I don't pay that close uh, attention to detail on Amazon's uh, financials. But uh, I mean, yeah, they just, they do some crazy stuff. Yeah. And that, that really wouldn't surprise me too much, you know, you know, similar to Costco, Costco pays for all of their, uh, their salaries and, you know, overhead just on memberships. So, you know, that the memberships of that you, you purchase that covers the cost of everything, all of their sales. That's how they can you know, not mark stuff up as much. Uh, yeah. cause all of that's just extra. So yeah. I'm sure Amazon's doing something similar with AWS covers everything that it needs to. And the rest of it's just kind of a bonus and keeps the name out there. Cause yeah. I guarantee, yeah. you know, people aren't going to remember <laughs> AWS if they're not already prime members and, you know, doing right. you know buying all their stuff from amazon yeah that's it's it's a inexpensive way well maybe inexpensive i don't know but it's a it's a good way to stay top of mind yeah yeah and i do love costco yeah they're oh. uh man they're pumpkin pies this time of year they're huge <laughs> but well tim look we uh we've ran we've run a little bit past our half hour we covered most of the stuff so maybe we'll save some of this for the next one but um you know, Tim and I are both looking for feedback, so uh, make sure that you let us know if you like this, uh, if you like the podcast, and what kind of content you want to hear. And I'm Willie, and I want to thank you. And Tim, you want to close us up here? Yeah, so uh, once again, this is uh, this is Geek Dives. This is our inaugural podcast. So thank you so much for coming with or joining us today. Um, check us out again. Again, we're at geekdives.com. And we're, we're going to be posting all of our podcasts there. So you can, you can download or put it on your favorite podcast device, be it a phone or tablet or, you know, however you want to listen to them. Um, yeah. Thanks again. It was a, it's a blast and I can't wait to get the next one done. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon, Tim. Yep. Take it, take it right. easy. <laughs> all right. Bye guys. Bye.